Thrilled to be here with you tonight. Thank you for being here. It is great to be together, to worship God together. And I just can't say how much I'm enjoying this meeting. And I want to thank all the effort that's gone into this meeting. These meetings are a success because of great effort. And I appreciate all the prayers. I appreciate all the work, the many hours that's been put forth in attending this meeting and inviting people to this meeting in studies, in meals, and in taking care of the folks who are here. And I want to thank you for all that. It's really been wonderful. I'm thr thrilled that Sister Claudia is here tonight. Been looking forward to that. Tom's a better guy when she's around. And uh, he's a really great guy without her, but he's a better guy with her. And so we're thrilled you're here, Claudia. Been looking forward to that a whole lot. I want to invite you to a study of the Scriptures for a little while, and we're going to spend just a little bit of time in the Old Testament. And I want to study the topic of sacrifice. And we think about sacrifice a lot. I tend to think about the sacrifice of Jesus, the greatest sacrifice of all, and how much love it took for Him to be sacrificed for me. I tend to dwell on that sacrifice a lot, especially around the communion table. And think about the price that it took to have forgiveness of sins. And what Jesus gave up in giving His life and His blood being shed. And the idea of a perfect sacrifice there. But I want to go back earlier and I want to go back to the book of Exodus. And I'd encourage you to read along or turn in your Bible. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to begin in verse 22. Exodus 20 beginning in verse 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me. Gods of silver or gods of gold you shall not make for yourselves. An altar of earth you shall make for me. And you shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings your peace offerings, your sheep, and your oxen. In every place where I record my name, I will come to you, and I will bless you. And if you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone, for if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. I'd like for you to try to go back to be with the children of Israel. I'd like for you to be an Israelite. And imagine the nation and the people building a solemn altar to sacrifice to God. And as they journeyed, and as they traveled, everywhere that they went, they'd stop and they camped and built an altar. And I can only imagine that as a child, you might witness that. You might witness the gathering of stones. And oh no, don't break the stone. You know, you can't hammer the stone or alter the stone. We, these things can't be polluted. It's got to be holy for God because we're going to sacrifice on this altar. And everywhere we went, we stopped and built an altar. 
And it was specific to God's commandment. It's got to be right. We've got to do what He's asked us to do. He's been very specific. And we find just the right stone to fit. And those altars are built. And I want to tell you what they become. They become bloody altars. Covered with sacrifice. After sacrifice. And blood poured out. And it would become a common thing for you to see your brother or your sister leading into town. Leading to the altar of sacrifice. A bull or a sheep. And you'd see that and think not much. Because it happened every day. And those animals went there and died and they were sacrificed to God. And this became a part of life. It became a what, what we did. It became what we are. It became the people that we are that sacrificed to God in such a way. Now I'd like you to turn with me to Leviticus chapter 1 beginning in verse 1. Now the Lord called to Moses... And spoke to him from the tabernacle of meeting, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herds, and of the flock. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Then he shall put his hand to the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. And he shall kill the bull before the Lord. And the priest Aaron's son shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood all around on the altar that is by the door of the tabernacle of the meeting. And he shall skin the burnt offering and cut it in, into its pieces. The sons of Aaron the priest shall put fire on the altar... And lay the wood in order on the fire. And the priest Aaron's son shall lay the parts, the head and the fat, in order on the wood that is upon the fire upon the altar. But he shall wash its entrails and its legs with water. And the priest shall burn all on the altar as a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And this is what they did. It was a part of life to take this animal and kill it. And you put your hand on it. And kill it and watch it bleed. And gather up that blood and you're going to sprinkle that blood round about and on the altar. And it wasn't a pretty white altar like the picture. It's a bloody altar. And you take this animal and you follow the pattern there. And you wash it up and you cut it up and you prepare it and you put it on there and you just burn it. You don't eat the animal. You don't take the hide and make boots or a belt. You don't eat a steak. You burn it. Because it's a sacrifice. A sacrifice to God. 
And we want God to be accepted of this. We want Him to take it and be pleased because we want to atone. I want to be right with God and I hope that you want to be right with God. And I assume because you're here today, you want to be in good standing with God and you want to be accepted of Him. And so they went to a lot of trouble to take this animal there and kill this animal and follow this procedure. Now I want you to go to Acts, uh, Leviticus rather, 22 beginning in verse 19. You shall offer of your own free will. Your own will. I want to do this. I want to give this. A male without blemish. From the cattle, from the sheep, or from the goats. Whatever has a defect, you shall not offer. For it shall not be acceptable on your behalf. Whoever offers a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord to fulfill his vow, or a free will offering from the cattle or the sheep, it must be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no defect in it. The best. Not splot, not blemish, perfect. He goes on to say, Those that are blind or broken or maimed or have an ulcer, or eczema, or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord. Nor make any offering by fire unto them on the altar to the Lord, either a bull or a lamb that has any limb too long or too short. You may offer as a free will offering, but for a vow it shall not be accepted. Keep reading. You shall not offer to the Lord that what is bruised or crushed or torn or cut, nor shall you make any offering of them in your land, nor from former foreigners' hands shall you offer any of these as the bread of your God, because their corruption is in them and defects are in them. They shall not be accepted on your behalf. <clears throat> I want you to think about, maybe this means a lot to me, you go out to look at your cows, and you know them. You know, you know what kind of calves you got. You know the better ones. You know the good ones and you know the bad ones. You know the ones that have really grown good, the really pretty ones. You know what they are. And here's the best one. But it's got spots. Not good enough. And so as you go through and you look at these animals, you know what we're looking for? The most valuable one. The one that would bring the most money. It, it would be the best as a herd bull for the future. And we got to take this one and we got to select from the herd the very best. Like this right here. The good ones. This, this is my old bull. His name is Duke. A good, it's a good bull name. If you're looking for a good bull name, Duke. Because he, he's good. He's built right. Now these other ones aren't mine. And they're pretty too. I wish they were. Maybe they're yours. I got these pictures off the web. You're looking for the best. And you're going to take this valuable creature that's valuable to you and you're going to kill it. 
And you're going to burn it. And you're not going to get the value. I don't know what the value might have been to them. I'll tell you, it's going to cost you three or four or $5,000 to get a good bull. You're going to take that animal and you're not going to get the money. You're going to get something better than the money. Acceptance from God. Worth, worth way more than the money. And so you sacrifice that to God because you want God to be pleased and that's the nature of it. And year by year it's done. As you grow up as a child, every year you go out with dad and you pick an animal and you kill it. Every year, when are we going out? And we go out and we pick this animal. And we slay it. And sacrifice it to God. And to God it's wonderful. Now I've been around a bunch of burning cows because we brand a lot of cows and I don't think it smells good. To God, if it's acceptable, it's wonderful. It's a sacrifice and offering. It's free will. It's made because you want to, you see. The book of Malachi, chapter 1, beginning of verse 7. Things has changed since the days of Exodus. Since the days that the temple was being built, things have changed now to the time of Malachi, and God says, you offer defiled food on my altar. But say, in what way have we defiled you? And this is God's answer. By saying, the table of the Lord is contemptible. You know what it means to be in contempt? It means you don't do what the judge says do. He holds you in contempt. You don't respect the judge. You don't respect the position. You don't respect the court. You know, I went to a, a trial, and I walked in there, and there weren't very many people. I was a little surprised. There was a jury and a few people. And here in a minute, the lawyer says, I reserve the right to call Sean Zebach. And I thought, what in the world? I just walked in here just to see what's going on. I can't even leave now. There's authority there. And these folks have come in and offered terrible things. And God says, by what you have offered, you have showed me that you, can, you have contempt for me. He says in verse 8, And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? When I was a young man, I... We had a big family, and, and Dad raised cattle, and my uncles raised cattle. Both my grandpas, they all raised cattle. I helped my uncles a lot. I was over with my uncle one day. I said, what's wrong with this calf? His old hind leg just stuck out like that. He said, I don't know. Something's wrong with him. And he staggered around, and his old hind leg just stuck out. It wasn't right. I said, that's crazy. And slowly, the hind leg just rotted off. And he stunk. You'd get up there to feed him and you'd go, oh man. And it just rotted and rotted and rotted and rotted up till he was three-legged. And you know, his neighbor bought that calf and ate it. And I wouldn't have touched that thing with a ten-foot pole. <laughs> I, hope, I hope 
I hope I don't eat that in meat from the grocery store. <laughs> you find a good deal on meat? Mm. Just saying. Buy once, cry once, you know. What, what does it say to God when these people who were the people of God offers a blind calf to God? It, it says, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you want. Because I am holier than you. Offer it to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. And so those people brought the worst. The diseased and the sick and the blind and the broken. And these look like some of mine too. Unfortunately, it's been kind of dry. The bony and to God. And these people had sinned and they come to God and they want atonement for their sin and they go, here, have old three-legged stinky. And what did God, God looked at that and went, ah, that's not going to work. I won't accept it. And what he's asked for in sacrifice is a table set like a feast. And what he got was not too good and not too pretty. I want to ask you a question. Does God deserve the best? Is it fair for him to ask of us a little? Or a lot? Is it fair for him? Does he have a right? In the book of Genesis chapter 22, beginning of verse 2, he said, Take now your son, your only son, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering. Is it fair? I thought, i got one son who I love. You know who gave me that son? God Almighty. You know who gave Moses that son? I mean Abraham. I apologize. He gave Abraham a son when he was old. God did it. God gave him that. Could God ask it? Absolutely. And I want you to understand something, brethren, today. And it's an application that's important from what we've studied of laws from long ago. Of sacrifice from long ago. Of a deed that was asked of a man from long ago. God has a right. And I want to tell you something tonight. And I want you to hear me well. If it doesn't hurt, it's not a sacrifice. I struggled a little to know whether to read this, but I think it's interesting. It says to Mrs. Bixby, Boston, Massachusetts, Dear Madam, 
I have been shown in the files of the War Department a statement of the Adjutant General of Massachusetts that you are the mother of five sons who have died gloriously on the field of battle. This was during the Civil War. I feel how weak and fruitless must be any word of mine which should attempt to beguile you from the grief of a loss so overwhelming. But I cannot refrain from tendering you the consolation that may be found in the thanks of the Republic they died to save. I pray that our Heavenly Father may assuage the anguish of your bereavement and leave you only the cherished memory of the loved and lost and the solemn pride that must be yours to have laid so costly a sacrifice upon the altar of freedom. Yours very sincerely and respectfully, Abraham Lincoln. It's got to hurt. Or it's not a sacrifice. Now I want to come over into the New Testament because God hasn't asked you to get the best calf. In fact, He's not asked you to kill an animal or for the blood. He's asked a different sacrifice of us, of each of us. And this is what He says in Romans 12, beginning in verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's not asked for your animal. He's not asked for your son. He wants you. He wants your life. He doesn't want you to just die and pour out your blood. He wants you to use your days. He wants you to use your years and your strength. God wants you to use your intelligence and the talents that He's given you. God wants you to use those things to help work in His kingdom and serve in His kingdom. That's what He's asked for. Not a death, a life. And He's asked us to use our abilities and be a living sacrifice, holy to God, acceptable to God. And you know what makes it acceptable? For it to be freely offered. Freely offered. And so it begs the question, what did you bring to the altar last week? Or last month? What did you sacrifice to God? Because we're going to make a statement to God with our life. Without saying a word, you make a statement to God. I will live for you. Or we make a statement to God that I hold you in contempt. 
In the book of Mark chapter 8 and verse 34, When he hath called the people to himself with his disciples, also he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I'll give you another one of those childhood revelations. I remember reading that and going, that's crazy. It don't work. If you save your life, you save it. If you lose your life, you lose it. You can't save your life if you lose it. And I finally grew up and I realized, he's saying you've got to lay down your life. Lay down your will. Lay down your own desires and live a life for him. And we've been talking about it a little bit. We make decisions in life. To be obedient to God. Or we make a decision to not be obedient. Sometimes people make a decision to be obedient to God. And they come to God and they say His name and confess His name. And they're baptized. And then along the road of life, they turn around and walk the same old way. Because ultimately they're not willing to sacrifice their time. Or their mind. They're not willing to sacrifice their tongue and the words of their mouth and promoting Jesus or planting and watering His seed. They'd rather spend their time pursuing cares and pleasures and riches and all those things. And I want to tell you, you can do whatever you want with your life. You can have your life. But if you save your life now and you do whatever you want, you're going to lose it with God. But if you'll be a living sacrifice and you'll serve God and you put your life on the altar and live it for God, you're going to save it. Do you really think lose your life could mean uh, superficial things? Is that a sacrifice? It's, it can't be. It's got to hurt. In the book of Matthew chapter 10, verse 38, he said, He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. And I'm going to tell you, there's some things that must be done. If you want to have God, and you want to be a child of God, if you want to have His eternal home, you're going to have to obey the gospel and follow the Lord and serve the Lord. You can't just go down in the water and then ride the coattails. He said you're going to have to deny yourself. Take up the cross and follow Jesus. That means you're going to have to live a specific way, a life of sacrifice. Deny yourself. I will not do what I want. I will do what Jesus wants. I'll tell you, that's a hard thing for Americans because we're free we do what we want. I go to order a hamburger and I want it the way I want. I don't want lettuce, okay? I want mayonnaise. I don't want your mustard. I want it the way I want it. If I don't get it, send it back. And it's just America. And we tend to live our lives and we value our time and we want to do what we want to do. But if you're going to sacrifice and please God, you're going to have to deny yourself. You know, there's an old brother I met many years ago. His name was Chester McCrane. D, I thought of it, finally. 
Chester McCrane. I don't know if anybody here remembers the old gentleman. He was an intelligent man. He had a wife and a family. And he was a logger. He lived up in the northwest. And I heard these stories from his children. They lived in tents in logging camps. And I remember thinking it's kind of odd that a guy from Texas, how, how do you end up being a logger, you know? And I'll tell you, the whole thing behind it was Chester wanted to teach people the gospel. He wanted to do Bible studies with people. And he could have lived and worked anywhere he wanted. He had family all back down here in Texas. But he dedicated his life to teaching the Bible. And by day, he cut in the woods. And by night, those old loggers were in his tent and he taught the Bible. For years, the old gentleman done this. And he denied himself many pleasures, many comforts. And he had a wife who supported that. And they worked together so that people could learn the Scriptures. And I want to tell you, he laid his life down. And I remember going to see the old brother. As he was older, he lived in Gunner, Texas. He was around his family down there. And I went and sat down with the guy, and we were visiting. His Bible was on the end table there, the coffee table. And I said, Chester, what have you been reading? He said, New Testament. I said, oh yeah, what part? He said, all of it. I go, okay. <laughs> Which one are you on now? He said, I just read it every week. I said, you read the New Testament every week? He said, yeah. And I, I, my mind, my mind, he's old. He's retired. <laughs> Clearly don't have teenage kids to be running around chasing. He don't have a job to work. I mean, I'm just... The excuse machine just... Every week he read the New Testament. And you want to know why? Because he wanted to. He denied himself things that would be fine to go do. Because he was interested in the Lord. And I'll tell you, the man in his life laid many precious things down at the feet of Jesus. Why? Because he loved Jesus. He wanted to serve Jesus. And he dedicated his life to following Jesus. His name ought to be spoken in hushed and reverent tones. And he's little remembered. Because he denied himself. Number two, we're told to take up the cross. You know, a lot of burdens that go with the cross. There's a lot of hardships. You may lose jobs. Old Carl Savage lost a job. When we was in college, he, he would not skip church. Got fired. God bless you. We're, there are going to be hardships. Maybe shame that goes with it. We've got to say, I'll take it. Or pain, I'll take it. Or financial loss of some kind. That's okay, I've got to carry the cross. I'll just take it. If it causes me a hardship in some way, I just need to take it and bear it cheerfully. Why? Because I'm a Christian. I need to live a living sacrifice. Old Till told me about a brother named Jimmy Ramsey. I've never forgot this story. D went over to see him. Said, Brother Jimmy looked really tired. And he was asking Jimmy's wife, I forgot her name sadly, but... 
Is he okay? He looks tired. She said, oh, he's, yeah, he's tired. We've been to gospel meetings 85 nights in a row. <laughs> oh, we can't have a week-long meeting. We get too tired. 85 nights in a row. I'll tell you, there's burdens. What a testament to that. Would it have been wrong for him to take a night off? No. I'll tell you, the people were dedicated to the Lord. And if it's hardships, we need to take it. And support the gospel. I'll never forget, many years ago, I was preaching in Durant, Oklahoma. I was standing in there visiting. Folks were showing up. It was about time for church. And a car drives up right in the yard of the church. And I'm thinking, you crazy Okies, what in the world? And these people get out, and they begin to help a woman who's about crippled with a walker, and she's hurting. Every step, pain. And she comes in in pain and agony, can barely walk to sit down and worship God. I'll take the cross. You know why she takes the cross? Because heaven waits. Because of the blessings and joys. Why do we sacrifice? Because whatever we lay down is not nearly worth the rewards. Not nearly. And it's an easy trade. It's just one of those things. The calf that we gave up is not near worth the acceptance of God. And number three, we've just got to walk the walk of Christ. Dedicate ourselves to Christ. Where, wherever it takes me, I'm going to go. I'll go where He wants me to go. Not where I want to go. I want to serve the Lord and follow the Lord. We've got to have that attitude. You know, some folks come to me, members of the church, not too far from here, a few years ago, and said, we're going on vacation, and we need to know the closest church to some town in Montana. I said, I think Casper, Wyoming. I think. There's a congregation up there, a brother named Tom Corson. I've not been there. I think that's it. You could tell her. She, she said, it's nine hours. I said, it's the closest one I know. She said, that'll be fine. And those folks drove nine hours one way on vacation to go worship God. Because I'll tell you what, we make a commitment when we become a Christian. I want the forgiveness, and you want the forgiveness, then i got to take the duties too, to be a worshiper of God. And I got a call later about how wonderful Tom Corson was, and those folks up in Casper, they had a wonderful time. And what a glory to God. To take of your life, and lay a little bit down. And I'll tell you what we've got to do. It's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. And I'm going to tell you, if I've been crucified with Christ, and you've been crucified with Christ, then it's not a sacrifice. It's just what we do. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. You know what Jesus would do? He'd go to church 85 nights in a row. 
He'd read the New Testament every week. He'd drive nine hours to go to church. It wouldn't bother him a bit. Isn't that what Jesus would do? Wouldn't Jesus take on the cross and all the pain? Certainly He would. And we've got to have the same attitude as the Lord. And if we will sacrifice our life, my friend, you will live in eternity. If you'll just sacrifice a few years here on earth and give of your time or give of your money and give of your ability to help the cause and to serve the Lord, then my friend, in just a few years, you've got eternity in heaven. And what a trade. And what a deal. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. He sacrificed it all. And all He's asked for me is to live just a little while. So I ask you today, what sacrifice are you living? What are you giving? And if it doesn't hurt, if it's not hard, is it really a sacrifice? I'm going to ask you to get out your songbooks tonight. There's an important question I have for you, and I hope you can listen just for a few more minutes. Are you on the road to heaven? Have you laid down your life? Is Christ living in you? Yes or no? Are you the one living for you? Or are you living for Jesus? If you're here tonight, and you're not on the path to heaven. You can change that. You can make a, a difference. It's not too late. You're alive. You have opportunity. You have that opportunity tonight to turn around and live for Jesus and sacrifice for Jesus. Tonight, you can take up the cross and only take a few minutes. There's water here. We have clothes you can change into. You can be baptized into Christ. Wash away all your sins. And you can dedicate your life to God. And the years that you have left, if you'll, if you'll lose them from God, you'll live eternally forever. Forever. And I want you to change tonight. I want to help you to change. God wants you to come and be cleansed and be a new creature. Let us help you as, you, as we sing.